God is making connections, opening up doors. I won't be your pastor after I graduate. I'm going to move to L.A. <laughs> to pursue my music career. <laughs> Michelle, you got it. You got it. You, Michelle, all oh, y'all, y'all can just hold it down. I know, Deke, you've been waiting to preach for every Sunday, so you're going <laughs> to be good and ready when I move to L.A. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so I'm going to try this song. Um, the lyrics, I believe, are, are powerful. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it as usual because I'm just giving y'all snippets of, of the next album. But anyway, this goes with the message today. And I, I usually don't explain the song, but I'm going to explain this because the hook is a little different. And the hook pretty much is, is talking about the same vibes. And and the concept of the song is, what if God did us like we did him? So I, I believe if God was to get in the booth and write a salty track, it'd be this one right here. Come on, let's go. One, two, one, two. I'm so glad God doesn't do us like him. But if he did, if he gave us them same vibes, if he see, we'd be in trouble. Come on. How you want to try and feel some way? When I'm just giving you the same energy you gave me Same energy Tell me why you wanna feel some kind of way you Feel me. some type of way Tell me But what if God did us like we did him? When I'm just giving you the same energy you gave yeah. me yeah. They say what goes around comes around How'd you feel if God, he let you down? The same way that you let him down. Said he see you every Sunday, now you hardly come around. Ice like too much ice in the drink, it's watered down. But that's not the guy we serve. He stayed ten toes down. Yo, you kicked him to the curb. Still hold you down. He's a man of his word. You told him the hush word was getting on your nerves. Riding in your lane, car started to swerve. Yo, what if he act like he never heard when you call? And he let you crash and it died on 20 on the dash But you walked away without a scrape or burning a lash What about when the Fed swept and found a stash? Got a one to three, could've did life if they found the other bag Man, when I think about it, God did me better than my earthly dad And all I ever did was treat him bad, it's so sad How you wanna try and feel some way? When I'm just giving you the same energy you gave me We don't like that when he, people give you back what you give out Tell me why you wanna feel some kind of way That reparation love Tell me When I'm just giving you the same energy you yeah. gave me yeah. We ought to be thankful That God, he ain't like people You know, mistreat him and do your evil do you shysty and turn around and need you hate your very existence and expect you to feed them the nerve disrespectful and arrogant they try to warn them but they're not hearing their self-examination where the man in the mirror went the world's nodding like they just shot up heroin you better wake up smell of roses what if god he clogged up her noses the ears his i know this is firm that's square biz always want to receive what you don't give say you're willing to die but you won't live Move on with the energy, it's so negative I'm positive, me and you, we can't kick it About my father's business, you're so wicked Here's your ticket, yo, move on I done took it for way too long Tired of my faith, so strong Now you and your feelings some type of way Cause I put it all in a song What? That'd be kinda messed up when, when I'm just giving you the same energy You gave me but I'm so glad God don't do us like we do him. Tell me why you wanna feel some kind that he's faithful even though we're not faithful. Tell me. Somebody say we gotta do when better. I'm just giving you the same energy you Amen. gave me. 
we're gonna get ready to receive our offering. It's something to think about. We are in Mark chapter 13. Now, I'm not going to have you stand because I'm going to preach the whole chapter. Don't worry, I ain't going word for word. <laughs> You're like, oh God. But this is one of the most blessed and troublesome chapters in the Bible. Now, if you took, if you were faithful coming to Bible study when we Thought, when we taught Theology 101, you're going to have a head start on everybody in here. Because Mark chapter 13 deals with end times, eschatology. And a lot of times you want to teach this chapter in a Bible study. But God told me to do it this morning because we need to hear it. I think it is so fitting for the times that we are in to get a clear understanding of end time prophecy. The Bible tells us to read Revelations. If you ever open Revelations, it says, blessed is the one who reads the words of this book. There's a lot of people who are afraid to read Revelation. But it talks about end times. Now, this is a troublesome chapter, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you to really go back and study a lot of what I'm about to say to you. Okay, um, you know I don't teach no nonsense, all right? So the thing about it is, this is Jesus, God in the flesh, speaking prophetically about what is going to happen at the end of the age. God in the flesh, the Jesus who never spoke anything that the Father did not sanction. Okay, now, in theology we taught, we don't just read the Bible to read the The Bible is not some spooky, magical book. It, there's, there's laws to literacy. And the Bible follows these laws. So if you read Psalms, if you read poetry, you have to interpret it under the rules and the guise of poetry. If you're going to read uh, a letter, you have to read it as just that, a letter. If you're going to read the Torah and law, you have to study it as law. So chapter 13 has a mixture of a lot of these different styles of writing. So you have to interpret it correctly. If not, you're going to be lost. And you're going to be confused. And th though this is one of the greatest chapters that proves Jesus' authority as a prophet, it is also one of the chapters where the skeptics use to disclaim and say that Jesus was a liar. We're going to get there. So, but Jesus is not some mythical person. He's historically proven. There's historical facts. His history cannot lie. They tried to say, you know, they can't find his bones. They understood he lived, but they had to make him to be either just a man 
or he's the Messiah. We know who he is, right? So, um, I titled this guy. I said, God, what, what, what are we going to look at? He said, I want you to tell them that they are living in the greatest times ever. And great times put demands on greatness. Great times put demands on greatness. I read from 1 John this morning because the word let us know in 1 John chapter 4, verse 4, that greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Now, if that's true, and it is of the believer, then God expects to see this greatness on display in earth. Right? Can we agree with that? I ain't lose you yet. Jesus said also, greater works would we do because he goes to the Father, right? And because he goes to the Father, the works would be multiplied of him on the earth. Pastor Mom touched on that. I told you she was in the, she was in Sunday's message. The greater works that we've been called to do is because Jesus said, if I don't go to the Father, I can't send the Holy Spirit. And when I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And it's not just going to be one of me now. It's going to be a lot of me. Scattered abroad. So the greater works, right? You ain't going to do nothing greater than walking on water. What you going to do? You know, <laughs> but because so greater has to be in number. Greater in number. But the question is, why are we not seeing it? Uh-oh. Why are we not seeing it? Because I believe that we don't believe that we're like Esther, who said, God said to Esther, believe not that you've been set for such a time as this. Do you know that when your mama and daddy got together, it was a divine appointment, even if you even if they didn't plan it on the plan, parenthood, but they because most of us don't plan nothing. But anyway, that's a whole nother subject for a whole nother service. But when they got together, it was for the purpose of you getting into this world. You and I came into this world at exactly the right moment. There is no coincidence why you and I are facing racism like never before. COVID, depression, all the different things that are going on. And instead of looking at it and saying, what is going on? Why not ask God, what am I supposed to be doing? Because I know there's great in me, but what I'm looking at doesn't look like a great situation. But survivors know how to look at a bad situation and understand that they are in a great situation. See, I don't, I don't care where you put me, right? Wherever I was, even in my struggle, I was going, I was going to survive, not just survive, but I was going to thrive wherever I was struggling at. If I was in the shelter, I was going to be working in the shelter. Favor in the shelter. If I was in jail, I was cutting hair. I was going, I was going to be having Bible study. I was doing, I was. You ain't going to say nothing. Jail didn't have me. Whatever the situation is, you have to be able to understand that greater is he who's in you. When I was at that crack table smoking them drugs, God was saying, I'm using, I'm going to use you. How are you talking to me while I'm smoking these drugs telling me that there's greater in me? You ain't going to say nothing. So it teaches you to understand that you don't look at the times that you're in. You look at the time that you're in. I've been sent for such a time as this. Tell your neighbor that. Say, you've been sent for such a time as this. Don't miss your time. Timing is everything. It's everything. Do you know that it is in the Great Depression where billionaires were birthed? Where everything else was going down? Yes. 
Some of you couldn't get to catch that because we got the wrong mentality. I, I'm sorry, I got a lot to say in a little time to say it in. But most of you took them stimulus checks and went to the outlets. And now you broke again. What you should have been doing was stashing that money. All right, so we're going we're gonna to look at what's happening. And, and the thing that's funny to me is it's amazing how every generation thinks that they're the magic, magic generation. So I'm going, we're going to kill some demons today, all right? But I do want you to understand that Jesus is coming back. So let's go through it. Mark chapter 13. We got time? You want to learn today? Okay, amen. Just, just making sure. It says, as he went out of the temple, one of the disciples said unto him, Master, see what manner of stones and what buildings are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Seest thou these great buildings? There shall not be left one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. I'm on my deeds today, so if you're taking notes, you're going to write all these. It's all these today. The first D I'm going to give you is destruction. Destruction. Now, what we need to understand is this is them coming out of the temple, right? And one of the disciples saw this great big edifice that was being built and said, look at this building. They, they, were, they were astonished by what they saw. So let me tell you what they saw. It was adorned with godly stones and gifts. The Jews very, give very great um, detail of the second temple. That was repaired by Herod, right? Anybody ever go shopping for countertops and or stone? They got they got granite countertops. They got um, marble countertops. But there's a thing called Herodian stone. That's that's top. That's some that's called some money. That it got that name from the temple that was being built, right? It was exceedingly beautiful. I'm not I'm not gonna bore you with the, the details, but it was it was so huge. It was so so astronomical you couldn't it just the outer court of it just before you even reached the temple it was five yards long three yards wide that's five football fields long three football fields wide before you even approach the temple the, the the rocks that they built used to build the temple each stone weighed over a million pounds the pillars in the temple would take three to four men holding hands just to wrap around the columns that hold held it up. It was when they when Jesus and them saw it, it was already 50 years of building that had taken place and it wasn't even finished. Herod was known for his great constructs of what he did, of what he did. This temple outdid Solomon's temple. You understand? And Solomon had a, a, a crazy temple. This outdid that. So when you think about that, it would be like it would be like the size of 10 foxwoods. They said when you looked at the, the, the edifice, it looked like it didn't even look like a place. It looked like a mountain of pure marble and gold. That's what it looked like. And Jesus had told them before it was even finished being built that it would be destroyed and crushed. The temple in, in Jerusalem in 70 AD after his death, this temple, everything that was built was so crushed that even plowed that they couldn't even find remnants of the stone that was used to make the temple. You talk about prophecy being fulfilled to detail. So Jesus told him, listen, you're looking at all. So the question is destruction. Jesus had predicted and prophesied about the destruction of a temple that, even, that wasn't even finished being built yet. They couldn't even fathom that. But they knew that when it happened that Jesus had prophesied about this. My question is, why we spend all this time on buildings that's going to be nothing anyway? That's why God tells us, don't be worried about the temple on the outside that's going to perish. You understand? But be worried about the inside that's going to live on eternally. So don't be fascinated by what you see. So now, 
after this, verse 3, as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, this is called the great, um, the Olive, 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 Olivet discourse, what Jesus is about to say. He sat upon the Mount of Olives over against the temple, Peter and James, John, Andrew, and they asked him privately. I love how the disciples always want to ask private. Tell us when these things shall be. And what shall be the sign when all these things will be fulfilled? That is the question every believer wants to know. Because they've been talking to us about, I don't know, I've I been, I just been pastoring for 14 years. But you know, growing up in church, you hear, Jesus is coming. Je they've been saying Jesus is coming. And Jesus still ain't come back. So people think that, hmm, is Jesus really coming back? They want to know when. Because you've been preaching this past preacher for, for, for decades. Jesus coming back, Jesus coming back. We tired of hearing Jesus coming back. The disciples were no different. First of all, tell us when is it happening? What's going to be a sign that it's going to happen? And how is it going to happen? These are what I'm going to answer today. I'm going to tell you when. I'm going to tell you how. And I'm going to tell you what's going to be the sign. Now, you're already, my theological people are saying you're about to be a false prophet because nobody don't know the time. That's what I'm going to tell you. Jesus answered and began to say, now Jesus is going to answer these questions. This is it. He gives us the clues. Jesus answered and said, take heed, lest any man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying I am the Christ, and they shall deceive many. Here's my next D, deception. Here's a sign that you are in the end times, deception. He said there are going to be many people that come saying they're the Christ. Now, by pretending to come from God with a new revelation, setting himself up for the Messiah after his departure, suggesting himself to be the person designed by God to be the deliverer of Israel and to be sent by him. Do you not know, Christian people, that I'm going to just give you a few. I can't give you all of them. There was the Sothenos, right? That was the first century, in the mid-first century. He wished to persuade the Samaritans that he himself was the Messiah who was prophesied by Moses. He pretended to be Christ, right? Applying to himself, and he compares him with Judas the Galilean. There was a lady named Anne Lee in 1700. She was supposed to be the embodied perfection of God and to be the female counterpart of Jesus. She said she was the female messiahs. There was John Tom who had achieved fame and his followers and he adopted the claim of Messiah after a period in a mental institute. Because usually the people that claim to be the Messiah end up in a mental institute. He came out of the mental and people, y'all ain't gonna say nothing. There are plenty of claims of the Muslim Messiah. There's so many, so many people. We, you go on YouTube, they got this dude walking around saying he's Jesus. So Jesus had already prophesied that this was going to be happening. That's the number one. That's number two. Somebody say he ain't lied yet. Do anybody see a problem with his claims yet? We already got the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem that he didn't know nothing about. He already said there's going to be false Christ coming. Now, you might not think that's anything to be said of, but think about it. Christ was crucified. I don't want to be identified as somebody that was crucified. So, to say that, in itself doesn't make sense. That's like me being a bum and me prophesying there's many people that's going to want to be bums in my name. And then you get a whole bunch of people wanting to be bums like Andre. You're like, that's unheard of. 
So you really got to think about it. But now let's let's really dive into it. I promise you, we almost did. It's getting good. He said, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, be not troubled. For these things must be. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There are going to be earthquakes and dire places. There's going to be famine and troubles. These are the beginning of sorrows. Here's another sign. Wars. Rumors of wars. These wars had already taken place in the first century. But for some reason, we claim that, oh, he must be talking about our wars. Now, they could transfer over, but these had already taken place in the time that the disciples were living. There was already wars. The Roman government, the, the onslaught on the Jews. You got it? So that's how they're thinking in their day. They're like, this is happening now. In our day, we see it happening now. Right? We got we got crazy Trump wanting to start junk with China. You know, everybody praying, people who was never praying, Lord help us, because we don't want no parts of another war with China. Cause them some crazy people when it comes to war. And they already still mad at us. Now this ain't, don't be looking at you. Do not message me. Do not call me. Don't, because no, I love Chinese people and the food. I like it, I like it all. So this ain't an indictment on none of that. I'm just telling you, as soon as, now, let's forget China. What about when he was messing with Russia? So now everybody like, we gonna die. And everybody saying, Jesus is soon to come. Because you hear about wars, everybody, we in the last days. That's false. He said there will be wars and rumors of wars. Let me just help you. Do you know COVID is not the first thing to hit us? That this ain't the first vaccine to ever hit us? That when the flu came and the Spanish flu and they started trying to give everybody a vaccine, they thought it's the end times that the flu vaccine was the mark of the beast. Now you got to get off and nobody worried about getting their kids vaccinated with the flu shot. It's a given. Don't y'all get me to start nothing up in here. But now, here come COVID. It's the end times. No, it's COVID. Did he say it was going to happen? Yes, he did. Did the vaccine save the people from the flu? Yes, it did. Did the vaccine kill some people from the flu? Yes, it did. It's going to be the same way today. Is the vaccine going to kill you from COVID? No, it ain't. I got mine and my household. We still preaching. And I don't look like a chicken and ain't got nothing growing outside of me. Every now and again at night when I brush my teeth, and I start glowing. But that's okay. But no, it ain't the sign of the times. Read your Bible. And we can stop some of this nonsense. Got earthquakes, you got you got people mudslides, you got whole lava flowing all over, you got uh, all kind of storms, global warming. The earth is crying out. You got animals and rodents that you ain't never seen in your backyard. Don't tell me Jesus ain't soon to come. When is it common to see bears walking five and seven at a time? Like, oh, that's cool. There's just, you know. The signs of the time. Famine. Do I got to talk about the famine? Everybody got taller paper, don't they? Every, every, okay, every black person worried about them chicken prices, ain't it? Yeah, you is, dear mind. You worried ain't going to be no chicken. Listen, we couldn't afford steak. Now we wondering about the chicken prices. You know we don't act right if it ain't no chicken. It's going to be a problem. It's a famine. Stuff is running out. People losing their jobs. Famine. 
What do people do when famine hit? Call out to God. You ain't going to say nothing. I ain't never, I ain't never lie behind this pulpit. You're going to come to learn to appreciate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Bologna and oodles and noodles. Can the real survivors in here say amen? Yeah, you ain't going to say nothing. You ain't going to say nothing. You don't even know a struggle. But this is what kills me. Did you miss the line? These are the beginning of sorrows. He didn't even say this is it. It's just the beginning. If this is the beginning, what's the end going to be? If you can't handle this, If you cannot handle this, you're going to be in trouble. Because when the mark of the beast does come, you're going to take it. You're going to take it. And this is for the Facebook people and those watching on CTV. Because I need to kill another demon. The vaccine is not the Antichrist. It's not the 666. It's not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast is clearly marked out that you have to have it to do any type of transactions or whatever. Yeah, that's all going to find. But the mark of the beast is coming where you won't even know it. It's coming to kill and steal and destroy. It's not coming to preserve life. So I'm just going to kill all that. And that's so, see, what's killing us is social media. Because they be talking some nonsense. Like, you know, they want my DNA. You broke what they want your DNA for. If I want anybody's DNA, Bill Gates, they might be trying to give him a ring. I don't know. Don't nobody want our DNA. And side note, I don't know why God got me saying it, but somebody need to hear it. Whenever you see, you know, Nikki, we love you. Whenever you see white people dressing up and trying to sneak and get something, that's your cue to go get it. All right, I'm going to leave it alone now. <laughs> I ain't going to say nothing. <laughs> so he says, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up the councils and the synagogues. You shall be beaten. They did that to every last one of the disciples. They were beaten. They were martyred. They were hung. They were crucified upside down. And you will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake as a testimony against them. And this gospel must first be published among all nations. But when they lead you and deliver you up, don't take no thought of what you're going to say to premeditate or whatever. Because whatever shall be given you in that hour, you speak. For it is not you that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now, we have pastors and preachers have so messed this text up. Because they, they, a lot of pastors and teachers bank on the fact that you don't read your Bible. But they will take this scripture to mean that you don't need no notes. And just come up here and just open your mouth and God will fill it. Like Noel Jones said, fill it with air. That's about all you can. Because you better study. But what he's talking about here is in context of the persecution when they bring you before the rulers. He's saying, listen, don't try to come up. You know how when they pull you into court. Come on, this next level. All y'all Negroes been up in front of a judge at some point trying to plead a case. But you know how you think about what I'm going to say. You, you got to have a counsel meeting. What are we going to say before we go in front of this judge? He's saying, when they pull you before the court, don't even think about it. Because I'm going to give you, that's the level of faith you got to have to go before people that you know are about to kill you. And you just got to trust what God is going to have you say in that moment. So he said, don't worry about it. And he said, because brother's going to betray brother. Mother's going to betray mother. Son's going, father's going to betray sons. They're going to, because they're going to put you to death. And you're going to be hated for my name's sake. That's denial. Somebody say, that's already happening. That's already happening. But what? We think it's our age, but it was their age. Because what was happening, the Roman government was coming in and snatching people out of the house. Remember, there was a time, remember when they took prayer out of school? 
There was a time when they took, even in those certain areas of the world, they would take the Bibles out, and especially in China. So if you got caught with a Bible in your being, then the person who lived in your house, if they didn't tell on you, if they didn't snitch, you understand, they were, they were going to get it too. So a lot of people were turning in their own families because they were doing stuff that was against the law to do. And that's what was happening in that time. The Roman government, they were coming in and seizing all the Christians and trying to kill them. So they said, if you get found with these things, then we're going to hang you and crucify you like we did your Jesus. And some of the children was like, well, my mama <laughs> trying to save their own skin. And it wasn't, it wasn't nothing like, oh, they're going to lock me up for 30 days. They were taking the people. They were using people as human torches. They would, they would hang, they would impale them in the ground, light them on fire to light roads. That, that, that type of persecution. I don't see nobody raised. We can't even get people to come to church on time, let alone burn them up and have come in to be a Christian. He said, these are the signs of the times. All these things were happening. All except one thing, which made people ask, Jesus must be a liar. Verse 14, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of prop, Daniel and the prophet, you go read it. That's in Daniel chapter 9. He talks about the last seven years. The last seven years of the age, we're not in them. These are just the beginning, right? What generation? A generation is 40 years. That's what a generation is. So I don't know if DeAndre, my children, or your, or little Steve is going to be part of the generation to see the last seven years. But what we do know is that everything that Jesus spoke about has happened and is still happening. All except his return. And this is what you would call um, partial prophecy is a thing that of delayed prophecy or partial prophecy because he did was crucified and returned and came back and people saw him a second time. Don't remember that. Don't don't forget that. So if he came back and he rose from the dead that time, there's only it just proves the fact that he will be coming back. Now you might not be and I might not be here when he comes back. But I can guarantee you this. If you're not here when he comes back, you're already dead. Either way, you got to meet him. Yeah, this ain't no run around the church for sermon today. That's why it's kind of hard. You should have shouted when the music was going. But um, he said, let them that is in the housetop don't go for down from the house, neither he that enter therein take anything. But let him that is in the field not go back for his garment. But woe to that one who is with child in that day. And pray that your flight not be in winter. For in those days shall be affliction such, such as it was not from the beginning of creation, which God created until this time neither shall be. And except that the Lord has shortened those days, no flesh should be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he has shortened them days. Somebody say departure. Here's the good news. We're about to be closing this. And we're about, I'm about, to, about to really, really help us. Departure. When you read Revelations, if you read Revelations from chapter 1 to about chapter, the beginning of chapter 4. All through the New Testament you hear about the church. In Revelations chapter 1 through chapter 4, you hear about the church. After chapter 4, you never hear about the church again. The church has been raptured. The great tribulation begins. The mark of the beast comes and takes place. That's why I know COVID is not the mark of the beast. The, the vaccine ain't the mark of the beast. People who read the Bible would understand that. That the mark of the beast will be the last sign to come. You will already be in the tribulation. And if you get the mark of the beast, that means you ain't saved then. Because you're only going to be saved by fire or dead. And that's, it's going to be by the skin of your teeth. And if you couldn't do it while it was grace, you sure ain't doing it through fire. We're not going to be here. The church has already been raptured. The next time Jesus comes back, he comes back with his church. 
We will be reigning with him. Which means we've already, y'all ain't going to say nothing. So he's saying if you're alive in those days, you don't want, if, you, if you're in that tribulation and you're in that last seven year period, you don't want to be, you sure don't want to be pregnant. So he's telling us what's going on. He's giving us clues. And then he says in verse 21, I'm about done. And if there be any man that say to you, lo, here is Christ or, or lo, he is there. Believe him not for false prophets and Christ shall rise to show signs and wonders to seduce, even if it were possible, the elect. That's delusion. The first thing, it was false Christ that were just coming in saying they were the Messiah. But he says in here that at that point, he's going to be so much delusion going on that even the elite, the, the ones who know their word. Oh, my God. Hey, that's slim pickings when, when you look at it from a pastor's point of view, because it's like you, you try to get people to read and understand why it's so important to get this word in you. That, that even those who think they got this word on lock, they're going to be deceived because people don't really want to deal with pain. So he says, take heed. I told you these things before, but those days after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. The moon won't give light. Stars will start falling out of heaven. The powers will be shaken. That's government. And they shall see the son of man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And they shall send his angels and shall gather the elect from the four winds from the uttermost parts of the earth and the uttermost parts of heaven. There's going to be a demonstration of power. The last thing he tells us, church, is to learn a parable of this victory when it comes to dealing with the time. All the things that we just read already happened, and they are continuing to happen. The destruction, the famine, the things, the plagues, the betrayal of family, mothers turning on their kids, daddies not being daddies, all these things are already happening. And so concerning his time, he says this, when is he coming back? Because we want to know, when is he coming back? Learn this parable. When a branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. We know how to discern when it's going to rain. You can see clouds. We know oh, it's going to be nice. Some of us are so old when your knees start hurting. You know this, man. So we can discern all that. You, We, we got discernment. You, you can discern when people are in your circle that, that ain't really cool. Something's going on. We, we know how to discern all that. But when it comes to those things, he's saying, listen, you, there's signs. He's saying all these signs that you're seeing are proof that my return is near. That I am coming back. I've already told you what's going to be happening. He says, so in like manner, when you see these things coming to pass, know that the time is near, even at the door. Even at the door. He says, now, this is where people say, well, he must have been lying. Because he says, verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done. So they say everything else happened, but he didn't come yet. And he said that this generation, the generation that, that read it, he wasn't talking about a generation of 40 years. He was talking about the generation of mankind. He was talking about the generation of evil, the, the, the things that need to take place. But he says this, but heaven and earth, will pass away, but my words won't pass away. But of the day and of the hour, no man knows. Not even the angels, not even me, but the Father. He says, so take heed, watch, and pray, because you do not know when I'm coming back. For I am taking a journey, and I left my house, and I've given authority to the servants, every man to his work, and commanded the porter, yeah, we're about there, to watch. He says, watch, therefore. For you know not when the master of the house is coming. It could be at midnight or at the morning time. Lest he come suddenly and find you sleeping. Last verse. And what I say to you, I say to everyone. 
watch. I know you're saying, Pastor, you said the title of your sermon was Great Times Put Demands on Greatness. You told me that greater is he who is in me than he that's in the world. You told me that I'm supposed to be doing greater works. But you just preached to me about all this stuff that's going on in my world that doesn't look great. Only the great people caught what I was talking about. I'm going to go ahead and preach it. We are in the greatest times ever. Because these are like no other times before. There has never been so great of destruction. Never been so great a deception. Never been so great a delusion. Never been so great, y'all better help me, a denial. These are rampant. People don't want nothing to do with God. But those who have the greater one, he told us that we have authority even in this great mess that we are in. So my command and what God had told me to tell you is that there needs to be, let me give you my last three D's so that we can go ahead and go home. Once you recognize the great destruction, the great denial, the great delusion, the great things that are going on in your society, the people who have great, the greatness needs to start rising up because he told us that I've given you authority and I need you to watch. If he wants me to watch, that means that what I'm seeing should have an effect on what I'm seeing. Because it's with the eyes that my spirit awakens to what needs to happen in the world that's around me. I'm preaching already. Y'all ain't catching. So what he's saying, church, is there needs to be a great disgust. We need to be disgusted at what we're seeing. We need to be disgusted at the things that are going on in our nation. We need to be disgusted at the things that are going on in our schools. That we can't send our kids to school without somebody getting shot. That ought to bring about a level of disgust. That we ought to be, those who have the greater one, we ought to be disgusted at the things we see on our news at, at day after day. People getting shot. People getting laid out in the dirt. Young children, 14 years old, can't even go and go on and be who they're supposed to be. It should disgust you. But we've gotten complacent at what we see. It should disgust you that marijuana is legal. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. It should disgust you that everybody can do whatever they want to do. But as soon as you mention the name of Jesus, they're going to go ahead and put a sanction. Y'all ain't going to say nothing. It should disgust you, but the church has bowed to what the world has put on us. It should disgust you. Because it's only when the church gets disgusted that there becomes a drought. We should be disgusted at the drought. Why? Because I'm sick and tired of hearing church folk talk about I got a river of life flowing through me, but ain't nothing flowing out of you. You ain't going to say nothing. Every place that you're in is dry, but you got a river of life. There should be no drought. I don't care what y'all ain't got no toilet paper make some toilet paper y'all better help me <laughs> there should be no drought the bible says and when the woman had a drought there was a drought a famine he said go ahead and feed me and the oil will never run out that do i got anybody in here that's a witness of a never run out See, you don't know because you keep tapping your bank account and stuff. But I'm talking about the people that never run out. I'll never run out because it's not until the church gets disgusted at the drought will there be a downpour. I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. We are in the last days. I know Jesus is coming back. If he doesn't come back in my lifetime, all well and fine. But I need to live every day like it's my last day on earth. Because as soon as I close my eyes on this side, I wake up on the other side. 
Y'all ain't gonna say nothing. Uh, do you know that whatever you did, once you close your eyes, is all gonna come into account once you open your eyes on the other side. That's why what's happening on this side don't even matter. You ain't gonna say nothing. They gonna have a funeral for you. They gonna put some candles out. They gonna eat your cake. They gonna wonder what you left. Then after a couple of months, they gonna leave and they gonna forget about you and they gonna go on about their business while you gonna be still trying to figure out, am I making it into heaven or hell? Help me up in here. So enough with the young people talking about, well, you know what? It it ain't that serious. I'll give up my life when I get older. I don't know what neighborhood you from. I pray every time I drive down the street. I pray if I got to go through this street, please don't let there be no nonsense going on right about now. Anybody ever ever drive through a place and then you get home and then you come back through that place and that place was shot up and you just blast that block and you got to go to thanking God. Always be the good ones, but the thing is, these are the last evil days. You don't know where you got to pray over your kids every time you send them to school. Might not come home. Got to pray for them at the bus stop. Something might pop off at the bus stop. I tell my son, if for word of information, I be checking him, say, listen, don't be having your head down at the bus stop. That's all you see at the bus stop, right? Be, you don't know what's happening. You better keep your head on a swivel. Know everything that's moving. Everybody's so into their technology. Well, I'm just going to go out and have fun. Ain't that serious? I got to go to the club. You go to the club. Club gets shot up now. You. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm going to close this message. But. I just want to let you know he's coming back. Stop waiting. Stop front. There ain't no time to be playing around. These are serious times we're in. So if you do not know him, or you just been Playing around with him. You need to get serious about your walk with God. It's not about, you know what I'm saying? It's not about being perfect. It's about having some common sense. That's really what it comes down to. Because the generation that you're growing up in, Deja, Alana, all, all y'all. It's just elevated. It's, it's it's crazy. Running out of stuff to do. Signs of the time. Destroying bathrooms. Doing stupid stuff. Slap the teacher. I wish I was a teacher. Somebody slapped me. I'm going to jail that day. Go ahead. Try it if you want to. I don't care who kid you is. I'm going to scrape you across that. They got no respect for nothing. Mess with the wrong person. I don't even like people driving behind me too close. I get nervous. I be ready to jump out, pray for me. Like, why are you following me so close? <laughs> yeah, I do. God, pray for me. Jesus. But you just never know now, Nate. Don't know what's going to happen. I value my life. You need to value yours. God ain't God ain't save us to be playing. We gotta make a difference. Let's stop playing church and make a difference. Can't just be saved on Sunday. Gotta roll over into Monday. At least make it to Wednesday. And then if you gotta repent and you know, yeah, get on tea time and Get your juices back in. You got refill. It's real.
You know? Amen. That's what God gave me to give you this morning. He's coming back. He did not lie. We don't know when he's coming back. But he's definitely coming back. He came before. He's coming again. I pray you all ready. And vaccinated. Because I don't think he let nobody in heaven ain't got the vaccine. Amen. Let's I'm just, I'm just mess with y'all. Hey, it's going to be a requirement. Mandated. All heaven. <laughs> all heaven employees got to be vaccinated. Amen. <laughs> Let's stand. I get it, though. They get a little crazy with it. You know what I'm saying? So we got communion. I forgot. Thank you so much for pointing over here to the communion that we got to take before we walk out the door. Yes. Mavericks, we're going to serve communion. Then we're going to have communion and go out like they did. Kelly for the ice water on my hands. God is not as tight as you think he is. And we may be, you know, we I tell people, I say, I have fun with God. That's, I'm, I, he chose me because of who I am and who he made me to be. There's no no need to be fake. No need to be, you know, I, I don't get it. You know, you know. But I had that preacher voice and when you're talking to normal people, you know, I'm, come on. You gotta be able to enjoy your relationship. I enjoy my relationship with my kids, with my wife. I enjoy my relationship with God. I talk to him just like I'm talking to y'all. And he hears me. And sometimes I don't feel like coming in here. Like, God, I don't feel like it. Can I just stay home? You need to get up and go. He be out to tell me you need to go. I'm the pastor. You need to get up. You need to, you know you need to get up and go to church. Oh, yeah. 
glory. In the same manner, he took the cup, he blessed it. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. It represents the blood that was shed on Calvary for the remission of sins. He said, we don't drink, we don't eat, we don't have life. All drink in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Bible says after they ate, they went out celebrating. Father, we bless you and we thank you, God. We thank you that you're soon to return. We thank you that we've been born for such a time as this. Help us, Lord God, to extend our greatness in these great times. We give you praise and for it all in Jesus' name. Grace and peace.